You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. So borders are often synonymous with security and safety. But when it comes to faith, hope, and love, we are called to live without borders. So this is a three-week series to reignite a biblical reflection of faith and of hope and of love. And when you think about faith, last week we talked about faith is this idea where you walk with a sense of clarity. God has tapped you on the shoulder. He's whispered in your ear. You know exactly what it is you're supposed to do. So through faith, you take those steps forward and you're walking with clarity. You may not be sure how it's going to play out. It may be challenging, maybe a little scary, but you're moving forward because you know what it is you're supposed to walk toward. Hope, on the other hand, is not walking. Hope is wrapped up with waiting and waiting with a sense of surety. It's not walking with clarity. It's waiting with certainty. Uh, Several years ago for Michelle and I, our 10th anniversary, we were blessed to spend a little time in Europe. And toward the end of the trip, we decided before our flight, we weren't weren't going to take a taxi, Uber, anything like that. We were actually going to walk to where we needed to be near the airport. So we set out, map our destination out, and we start walking. And we're just taking in the scenery. It's really early in the morning, but we're having a blast, you know, holding hands, speed walking, got our luggage on our backs, just walking, enjoying everything. And then we realize about 30 minutes into the walk, we've been walking in the exact wrong direction, opposite of the way we need to go. So we calculate the time, it's gonna get back and all that, and we realize there is no way that we can make it to where we need to be. So we flag a taxi down and we say, hey, this is where we need to go. And he's like, hey, do you understand how much this is gonna cost to get you there? We're like, we have no other option, right? You're gonna have to do it. So it's still dark, it's rainy, We get into the back of this cab. We're sitting there and the guy types in the destination and he takes off. And he's being a really good sport. He wants to get us there on time. But he starts pushing about 100. And it's dark and it's slippery. And Michelle looks over at me and she says, what are we gonna do? And we really have no other option, right? So I said, I'm just gonna close my eyes and hope nothing happens and I think we use the word hope too frequently with that connotation there's uncertainty we hope this doesn't happen or we hope this happens but that's not the biblical reflection of this word this word isn't necessarily hoping something that you have no control of will actually occur It's more along the lines of waiting. It's not necessarily a problem that you and I are dealing with. It's a promise that we're wrestling with, a promise from God. And in hope, he calls us to wait. When you think about faith, you can activate faith at any time. You know what to do, so I need to man or woman up and take those steps forward in faith. But hope isn't any time, it's over time there's a process to cultivating hope you don't just start out with it you nurture it you grow in it until you reach this time to where you're not focused on your problem 
but you're focused on his promise. When Michelle and I first moved to Lexington, we were getting familiar with New Circle Road. I had a lunch date that I couldn't be late for with a few guys that you don't really want to be late when you're dealing with these kind of guys. Nothing shady or anything, okay? But you didn't want to be late. So I need to meet them at an old Charlie's over on Harrodsburg Road. And I knew in my mind where that was. And I'm taking New Circle. And Siri, I've got this voice over here. Siri's telling me which way to go and it feels good. But then I think, wait, 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 wait. I'm running out of time. I didn't manage the time. Well, I'm going to be late. So I start speeding up. And then she's telling me to slow down. And I start speeding up. She's like, no, slow down and take this road. And I'm like, but I can go quicker here. I'll take this route. And then finally, I just, you know, just not listening to Siri at all. And I get into this little cycle. I've got this voice going on, tell me the roads to take. But I'm mixed up about New Circle. So I'm actually getting off New Circle and going down and getting back on and driving down and then getting off and back on. And I'm in this circular pattern because I'm speeding things up and I've got this voice saying wait slow down I want to show you the right way that's hope sometimes we move through life too quickly and we've got this voice attached to this being that loves you so much that you can't see and we're speeding through and he's saying wait slow down Let's take our time with this. So Peter talks about hope and he kind of outlines it. I want you to see this. First Peter 1 verse 13. Notice his language. He says, be alert and think straight. Put all your hope in how kind God will be to you when Jesus appears. In other words, he's saying, put your hope in something in the future. Something that you don't have control of. Something that God is wanting to do. Jesus will come back. He'll be revealed to us. Put your hope in that. And in the meantime, think straight about life. So when you're not living with hope, I don't think it's always that you're living in despair, but you're not really thinking straight about life. And you find yourselves in this circular pattern, getting off the road, getting on the road, getting off the road, getting on. And basically what we're doing is we're speeding up life and making our own way. Do you ever do that? Instead of waiting, you think, you know what, I can take this on, I can tackle it my own way, and I'll do this myself. There's a great story about this in the Old Testament from Genesis. We're gonna condense chapters 12 through 18. You'll see the rhythm of the story. Our main characters are a guy named Abram and Sarai. And through the story, their names are actually changed by God from Abram to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah. You'll see that in the text. We're not gonna focus on that this morning. Just be aware of it. But I want you to see what happens with these guys. Because when you're talking about hope, it's not a focus on my reality and my problem. It's a focus on God's reality and his promise. In other words, when you hope for something, you're focused on the moment. But when your hope is from something, you're focused on the future and what God said he's going to do. So notice this story. Now the Lord said to Abram, hey, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, and I will make you into a great nation. Abram was 75 years old when he left his home in Haran, 75. 
Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, she had not been able to bear children, but she's going to do this her own way. She's going to speed things up a little. She had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, got a great idea here. The Lord's prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant and perhaps I can have children through her. Sounds like it's going to play out pretty well, right? This next verse, I mean, come on. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Yeah, I bet he did. She really had to twist his arm on that one, didn't she? I mean, this is a typical guy's response to something like this. All right, go on. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. And Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Could you see the reality of how a guy handles this situation? And then how a gal handles this situation? It was her idea. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So now he's got a son and it's 11 years later. The time factor got to them. When you're called to wait, the temptation, that time factor, it wears us down, it breaks us down. And instead of waiting on something that God said he would do, we focus on the problems, we speed things up and we create our own way, just like Abram and Sarah. God said, hey, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. Well, they're 11 years into this and nothing's happened. So they take it into their own hands. Let's speed this up. Let's create our own way. So we go on. When Abram was 99, 24 years later, the Lord appeared to him and said, hey, I'll surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So now we're 24 years deep into this promise. And the Lord, he kept his word. And he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. But he did it in his time and in his way. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the right time God had said it would because God will come through always always the tricky part is that we see things through our reality and when there's a problem we focus on that problem instead of seeing things from God's reality and focusing on his promise and that's what hope is It's not focused on the immediate. We've got faith to deal with that. Hope happens over time. It's rooted in something. It's not hoping for. It's hope from the promise of God. You can bank on it. You can trust it. He'll come through. If he said something, he will come through just the way he said he would. He'll come through always and that's what these guys are learning and what's beautiful about it is that they do take matters into their own hands they speed things up and they have Ishmael they create their own way but God is still faithful he still comes back at the right time the time he said keeping his promise and he blesses them with Isaac another child and he keeps his promise through Isaac and makes Abraham and Sarah into a great nation so even though we do create our own way God is still faithful there and he helps us even when we're just sitting in a back seat, life's going fast and we're hoping nothing bad is gonna happen. 
You can count on the promise of God because he will come through always. So Thursday night, I'm at the gym a little late. It's in the nine o'clock hour, early nine o'clock hour. And I got a text from my wife and it simply says, hashtag hungry. I'm thinking, okay, all right, little snack, take it home. That'll be great. She sends me a text back. I said, what you want? She sends me a text back and says, well, I'm hungry. I'm not, I want a scoop of ice cream hungry. I want a steak okay yeah nine o'clock steaks sound great let's do it so we're deciding on a place that's open that'll fix the steak set late and all this and I'm driving around love to drive around listening to music so it's time elapsing I'm seeing the three little dots she's thinking on what she wants we're trying to work it out where's the right place takes so much time that I pull over in a parking lot and I just sit and we're waiting on this I asked her if I could share this story by the way okay so she knows all about this so I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting we decide on chilies. So I tell her, order the food. I'll go over, pull in front of the curbside service sign and wait on it. So I go over there, pull in, waiting on it. I'm there probably seven or eight minutes. The food's been ordered. It should be out anytime. And I get a text that says, hey, is the food ready? No. Call in there and tell them to cancel it. Like, what? You can't do that. That's not how you do business. What are you talking about? So I said, what's going on? She's like, well... I got up and got a drink of water and I'm not hungry anymore. (laughs) Really? Come on. When you think about hope as a process, what happens is that in this process, you and I, we experience things in isolation. So if the Bible says hope takes you from here to here to here to here, when you're here, it feels like you're hungry and you can't focus on what you really need. So you're looking for a quick fix solution. Hope is not about quick fix solutions. It's about moving you into this trust that God has with his promises. You can bank on it. So you're focused on this and you're not sure what you really, really need. Um, The Bible says in Romans, picks up on this story with Abraham and Sarah in Romans 4. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Isn't that interesting? 75, he gets this promise from God. 25 years later, it comes true. When there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. The Hebrew word for hope, it literally means to wait. So let's read it again. When there was no reason to wait... Abraham kept waiting. If you're like me, I'm not that good at waiting. I like to speed it up and I like to create my own way. And that's not how God works. Notice this language after this thought. Romans 5 unpacks this a little more and he says, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering, it's doing something. It's producing perseverance. And perseverance is doing something. It's producing character. And character's doing something. It's producing hope. So you see, hope is not, I'm hoping for. Hope is hope from. Hope is the result of character, which is the result of perseverance, which is the result of suffering. 
Think about you're human, I'm human. Just the fact that we're human, we're gonna be hungry and we're gonna have busted budgets and there's gonna be traffic and there's gonna be debt and there's gonna be disease, there's gonna be death. Just because we're human, we're going to suffer. We're going to be uncomfortable in situations. And what happens is that when you're in that initial process of suffering, you're focused on that. You're experiencing it in isolation. And it's hard to say, wait a minute, there's a bigger picture. Maybe really what I need is just a drink of water. Maybe I don't need to focus on what I'm feeling at the moment. It's distracting me. So Paul says, when you're suffering, it's going to lead you to the next phase of this process. It's moving you toward hope. Uh, Peter puts it like this in chapter five, verse 19 or verse nine. He says, remember, other Christians all over the world are suffering just as you are. So this group of Christians, they were like, hey, we've got faith and we're actually experiencing some persecution because of our faith. That's not uncommon. You and I will probably have some backlash at some time simply because we're experiencing this thing, this relationship with God and we're proud of it and we love it and it works for us and some people don't understand that so they push back on it. When that happens, don't, that's nothing odd. When you're suffering, it's nothing odd. You're a human. You're going to suffer. And our great, beautiful God says, hey, I can take that suffering. And over time, I can produce perseverance. But when you're in, isol- when you're in suffering, you experience it in isolation. So you think, I'm hungry. And I want to fix that. But really what you need is a drink of water and that takes care of it. You're suffering, what are you focused on? God's focused on taking that discomfort or that suffering and moving you to perseverance. That's the process. So you think about suffering, development, perseverance. Perseverance, I love how the Bible describes it. James 1, 4, notice this language. Perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, Perseverance, it has work to do. There's no substitute for it at all. There's no quick fix. There's no speeding things up. There's no making your own way. Sometimes God calls you to wait because he's doing something in the waiting. So he says, Abraham, make you into a great nation. I know you're, only, I know you're 75. It's gonna take me 25 years to do this the way I want to do it, but I will come through. I always do. And that promise is extended to you and I. God will come through in your life. Always. So when you're suffering, God's there producing perseverance. And when you're persevering, he's cultivating character in your life. Character. And you think about that. Character, a man of great character. Character comes from persevering through your suffering. I like how um, Proverbs puts this. It's a great text because it fits so well in how we coach people when it comes to goals. Like if you have a goal and you think about this activity, if this activity helps you achieve that goal, go for it. But if this activity that you're interested in doesn't help you achieve the goal, you ditch it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to contemplate about it. You don't do it. So Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright, it guides them. So the integrity is the guide. You find yourself in a situation and you're called upon to lie, you don't do it. 
even if that results in a loss of friendship or finances or a job or a position, you don't lie because the integrity guides you. But reaching this comes through perseverance, which comes through suffering. So God is showing you that through hope, this thing that happens over time, he's remolding and reshaping your life. He's leading you somewhere. So hope's not about the moment. It's not about my reality, my problem. It's about his reality and his promise. You buy into that suffering, God can help you to produce perseverance and he can help you produce character. And then character produces hope. This happens over time. That's how God has designed it. That's why he comes to Abraham when he's 75 and then he fulfills the promise when the guy's 100. Hope is looking to the future, buying into the promise that your God will come through always in his timing and in his way. We can't speed it up. It doesn't help to create your own way. So can I check in with you? Does it feel like you're in the back seat of a cab? Fingers crossed, hoping nothing bad happens. Does it feel like you're on and off the road, on and off the road, on and off the road? The waiting game's hard for you. I get that. I get that. But God does some of his best work when you and I are waiting. Are you speeding up life? Is it going too quickly? Making your own way? There's a voice attached to a being that loves you so much saying, wait, slow down. There's a process to this. I know you're feeling this way. You want a quick fix. I know it's uncomfortable and challenging, but I'm with you and I'm moving you on to perseverance. I'm building your character. I'm giving you hope. So when I was sitting in that Chili's parking lot, uh, scrolling through Facebook, I came across a little article, I know you've seen it on Facebook or a news outlet, radio or somewhere, about this artist who took his life um, last week, late last week. And what was fascinating to me is that how many Christians and Christian sites have already tapped into that to talk about uh, this guy taking his life. And I thought that was really interesting and powerful for, to take on that and see, man, this guy was in such a state of despair that... He just wanted to end it. I mean, looking out, I would think the guy had it all together, had an awesome life, a blessed life. You never know what someone's going through. So I'm reading through this and I'm thinking, my gosh, that's so true. You really never know what someone is going through. And if you listen to Christian, or not, or not Christian music, secular music, there seems to be this theme that runs through it. It's, it's either you're alone or you have to do life alone. And I wonder, I wonder if that played a part. Listen to some music. And you'll see that there's this consistent theme that I'm alone in this. 
or I've got to do this alone. And that's a heavy load to carry. It reminded me of how blessed we are to be in this Christian community because when we sing, you know we're singing praises to our God. We're singing praises to our great God. We're showing our adoration for him, our love for him. We're surrendering to him. But we're also speaking to each other. This is the Bible. This isn't David speaking. Notice Ephesians chapter 5. Look at this language. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, when we sing, we're praising our great God, but we're speaking the same language. We're showing that we're in this together. We're not alone because we've got him and we've got each other. So when this guy took his life, for some reason, it got a hold of me. So I'm sitting there waiting on Michelle's steak and I'm bawling and I thought of you because you never know what someone's going through. And I hope that life isn't going so quickly that you've sped it up or that you're trying to make your own way, that you've put God's promise over here and you're focused on your problem. I hope you're not about to do something that other people are going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. I hope you don't feel alone until it's causing you to go too fast. I hope that you don't feel like you have to do life alone so you're creating this way to do it over here and it's not working but you don't know how to wait because you feel alone. I hope that's not you but if it is, don't speed it up even more. Don't try to create another way. Can, can I say wait hope bank on your God coming through because he always does like the story of Abraham when he said he would we're in this together last week when we were talking about faith we said you know what get some information about a life group a D group and you took that and you ran with it, my inbox was flooded with people wanting to sign up for D groups and life groups and I applaud you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. So many signups came our way that we wanna make sure we don't overcrowd any certain group. So we're being strategic with getting the group spread out there. So hold on, we'll get you connected. Thank you for doing that. And this morning we've got our men's ministry out there. Our men's ministry where maybe a D group or a life group isn't where you are. But you can get connected with a group of men. Some of them are rugged and tough. Some of them um, are better dressers than others. And some of them are more low key. And some of them do this and this. But they're doing life together. And you can go get a little information. Uh, You can't miss it like Reggie said. You go out in the front lobby. You know where the men's ministry is, right? It's the black table with the cage and the bird in it and a few little flowers. You can't miss it. It's with all the deer antlers and the posters and all that. Get connected with them. Don't punch it. Don't try to create your own way. Don't just sit in the back seat and cross your fingers and hope nothing bad happens. Reach out to them. A great ministry where you can just be yourself and be real. And that's the same for the women's ministry. Maybe you need to connect with another gal 
that's available for you. Life group, D group may not work, but there's another group of women here showing you, you don't have to do this alone. You're not in this alone. And they can come alongside of you and help you wait. They can help you move from suffering to persevering to building character into hope where whatever's going on, you're trusting in God's promise to come through. And he, he will come through. Always. Uh, the children's ministry. We got some, I got a team of children's ministers out there. They've got this great video, huge screen TV, great video showing you what it's like if you plug your kids into Jesus Junction or The Rock. And they're there to answer any questions you have. This is a phenomenal children's ministry. When Michelle and I first started coming here, we rolled in here for about six or seven weeks and said, you know what, let's plug our children in, see how that goes. And seeing the vision that they have in those areas is amazing. And kid you not, the reason we kept coming back week after week after week was because of the children's ministry. It is phenomenal. You need to be so proud of what that team is doing for our little ones and our kiddos. A couple of weeks ago, I met a guy who was here, just moved from Chicago. He had a handful of kids running around, kind of fresh to the faith. He said he wanted to get his kids connected early on. This is a wonderful place to do it. Wonderful place. Please don't be the parent who says, I'm going to let them figure that out for themselves. I'm not going to push my beliefs on my children. Please don't be that parent because if you do, then someone else is going to push their beliefs on them. You have a safe place for your children to grow in their faith. You have a safe place for them to learn that even when life is hard, God's there. And there's this God who's going to come through for them at the right time and in the right way. That this God makes promises and he comes through with them always. You can start them out early. They're out there in the lobby. If you're on the fence about that or wondering about it, curious, please touch base with them. And you can do the same for student ministry. And what we're getting at is that when you get connected with one of these ministries, you're not alone. You start speaking the same language. You start singing and speaking to each other as we praise this great God. And it may slow you down. It may keep you from making your own way and hoping that nothing bad happens. And show you this process moving forward. So we, we have these defining moments and I, th- I think this morning is one of them. Defining moment. Maybe God is stirring in your heart and your mind right now and you can leave this building and go on your way and then the next time he starts stirring in you, it'll be so much easier to just walk away and put distance between you and this God who loves you so much. A Peter had a defining moment like that. I think he lost sight of this process. I think he lost sight of hope. I think he lost sight of the promises and he was focused on his problem and he was hoping for something not to happen. So he put distance between him and his Lord and I don't want that to happen with you. If God is stirring, move closer. Notice what happens with Peter, Matthew 26. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and she said, hey, you were with, you were with Jesus of Galilee. 
but he denied it. He denied it before them all and he said, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. So then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said, hey, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth, but he denied it again, this time with an oath. So there's more distance. Now he's really doing this his way. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and they said, surely you are one of them. Your accent, it gives it away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man. When waiting's hard and you're experiencing an isolation, you don't see that process, you're experiencing isolation, suffering, it's easy to put distance between you and Jesus because when you're suffering life stinks it's hard it's uncomfortable you don't like it it's easy to not see the process that God is stirring doing something creating more moving you toward hope so for you maybe that's right now it's uncomfortable tricky tough not sure which way to go a little fast creating your own way and if you leave and God's stirring in you it's going to be easy to say I don't know him you come back next week God stirs in you it's going to be so much easier to say I don't know him and take an oath about it and then start cursing and before you know it you're way out on left field you really are creating your own way and it's not helpful so just checking in with you so that no one's going to do something that you regret or that the people who love you so much will have to live with the rest of their lives. I'm going to be to your right after we pray. And if you want to talk, you want more prayer, you want to learn more about this, maybe you're fresh to this thing we call Christianity or church, you want to talk more about that, let's talk. Let's make sure that you're not going too fast that you're creating your own way and you've forgotten that he has made some promises and it may take a little time but he's going to come through always you think about Christianity it's such a beautiful thing that this perfect flawless God this eternal God would come to earth and live in the form of a man so that he could understand us and know how to heal us He would live with us so that he can lead us. That's profound. Some of you know that Michelle and I, our two girls, they were born at home. We had home births. Just me and Michelle, the kiddos, taking care of everything. When I think back to that happening, seeing life just come into being, it's profound that life comes. And there it is. And then the child grows. I think that's why Christianity and scripture is called a new birth. Being reborn. Born again. Because your relationship with this living God is profound. And over time, it grows. And scripture calls it a living hope. A hope that your God When he makes a promise, he will come through. Always. 
Father, there's probably some pain in this room. There's some people persevering. Maybe there's some character being cultivated and there's some living hope. Our belief is that you're going to meet us right here this morning, wherever we are. And we want to open our hearts and minds to you, God. That if you're doing any stirring in our lives, we'll embrace that. We'll lean into it. We'll slow down this morning so that we're not moving so fast that we've got to create our own way and we mess up the promises that you have extended to us. We trust you, God. We trust you to meet us right now where we are because you are the God who loves us, a God who makes a promise and you come through with that promise always. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we give you our praise. Amen.